Greetings, Christian Faith Baptist Church disciples, saints of the Most High God. We welcome you to another evening together and studying God's word and fellowship. And as I just mentioned, we will be uh, have a special presentation from Dr. Newsom, and I'll allow her to introduce herself or reintroduce herself. But I do want to uh, begin first with, um, as a reminder, uh, this Sunday, in case you have not already done so, it's uh, Mother's Day. So uh, <laughs> if you're if you haven't been prepared, now you have a few days to to get get ready. So um, I want to read. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and then I'll turn it over to you, Doctor Doctor Newsom. First is. Uh, from Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then um, this second scripture comes from second John, actually third John, um, and it's verse two. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Let, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this night. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity uh, to share together as your believers, Lord, instruct us, encourage us, embolden us, Lord, and equip us as we uh, just focus on your word, focus on wellness. Thank you, Lord, that you've created us in your image and help us, Lord, for the uh, to walk in the, your restoration power, your redeeming power. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for Dr. Newsom and what you have called her to do to uh, help and equip the body of Christ. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, we do have a chat, and I will try to monitor that the best that I can so that if there are any questions that you have, um, you can bring them into, put them in the chat. So Dr. Newsom, floor is yours. Okay, good evening, Christian Faith. How's everybody? Well, I am sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you a little bit of background, I, I've looked and I think I know everyone here, but just in case, um, I've been a disciple at Christian Faith since 1990. So uh, I've been there for the long haul. And uh, thank you so much for allowing me to share some of my expertise in any way that I can to help hold up the body of Christ. So I do appreciate this opportunity and I am more than willing uh, to go forward as needed. So what we're gonna do tonight, uh, we're taking a look at, uh, because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, we're just going to take a look at some general information regarding mental health and look at that information in the context of our overall wellness as an individual. 
uh, look at our wellness, uh, look at some of the signs and symptoms that might be exhibited as a result of mental health concerns, and then take a particular look at stigma and Black mental health because there are disparities in that area. So I timed this, I think I'm 40 minutes. I might be more, I might be less, but I'm glad, Pastor, that you did open up the chat. So if there are questions, if you put them there, just let me know and I'll do my best to answer them. And if I can't, I'll look them up and, and share them with you at another time. So what I think is interesting is that the last time we met together, I think I did, um, a Zoom in August of 2020, I think it was. And that was when we were going into this pandemic, uh, trying to figure out what in the world was going on and how we can take best care of ourselves. So I think this point in May is a good time at this Mental Health Awareness Month to kind of look back and as old folks say, see how we got over, see what did help, uh, and uh, just in general, take a look at some facts that are related to mental health and how we can take care of not only ourselves, but our loved ones and uh, our children and other people uh, that we care about. So here we go. What we're going to do then is take a look at the perception of mental health. Mental health awareness covers several domains. So a lot of times when we think about mental health, we think about the psychological component of this area of wellness, but mental health includes our emotional and not only our psychological well-being, but our social well-being as well. And um, this state of well-being affects how we think, it affects how we feel, and how we act. And it also helps determine how we manage stress, how we relate to others, and how we make healthy choices. So mental health is a very important part of our well-being, and we have mental health concerns at all stages of life, from childhood through adolescence and through adulthood. So with this holistic approach to mental health, I want to want you to think of yourselves as a pie. Yes, a pie. You are a pie and there are eight sections in your pie. And this eight section, eight section pie is going to give us an idea of how we can maintain balance for our overall wellness. So let's think about those eight pieces of pie. Let's start with piece number one, looking at your spiritual, spiritual well-being. That's an integral part of being well and functioning well. Your spiritual well-being is about having a sense of purpose and meaning in life. So that's expressed through worship. That's expressed through any other spiritual activities that you're involved with. So that's number one, your spiritual piece of pie. Then you also have emotional wellness. Emotional wellness is just as the name kind of implies, it's about how we are able to cope effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships. That's an important part of our wellness. Social wellness is developing a sense of connection, a sense of belonging, 
and a well-developed support system. Uh, the research really says that this support system is a thing that really kind of holds our well-being together because a support be a system is any group of people that you can kind of come as you are. These are the people who have unconditional regard for you. Uh, these can be your church members, your organization people, your family, uh, neighbors, any people who you feel comfortable, who you feel will give you support. So that's an important part of your pie. Uh, another part uh, of your pie is occupational wellness, to get some kind of degree of satisfaction and enrichment that's related to your work. What those things that you connect with in your work environment, because again, all of these things kind of impact your overall well-being. Then there is the financial well-being. Financial well-being is, as the name implies, that satisfaction uh, with current and future financial situations. Last three, environmental wellness. That is the places and spaces where you find yourself, that they are pleasant, that they provide stimulating environments. This all supports your well-being. And then there's your physical well-being. And a lot of times this is what we think about primarily when we suggest well-being uh, talking about the need for physical activity. So that physical activity is very important, but also diet, sleep, and nutrition are a part of physical wellness. And the additional, the last uh, component to consider is your intellectual, intellectual wellness. And that's recognizing creative abilities and find ways to expand your knowledge and and, and uh, your knowledge and skills. So when you think about your pie, the whole key to wellness is to keep balance within those eight areas. If one of your pieces, one of your eighths of a pie becomes two eighths, that's gonna consume some of the other area that is important. So this is, you know, a, a key thing to take away then is that, you know, if you're feeling ill at ease or something's not right, maybe look at these wellness areas. Is one of them out of whack? You know, is something going on at work? Uh, work issues are often a, a lot of a source of mental health concerns. If there's not a good fit in that environment, what if your support system is not supportive? Uh, those are all areas to think about when we're looking at awareness to make sure that that balance is maintained and that we can take care of ourselves and others. So there we have it. That's what that wellness thing is all about. So the next part is, so over these last two years, how well have we maintained balance in those areas? Uh, there are statistics that suggest that there have really been some really bad mental health outcomes uh, over the past two years uh, related to the pandemic, related to economic uncertainty, uh, related to systemic racism for people of color. 
and then actually dealing with COVID itself. Uh, some of what has been found uh, as related to this imbalance, if you will, that might occur within your pie, uh, it's been found that uh, after COVID-19 recovery, people are much more likely to develop substance abuse disorders and cognitive problems, cognitive problems like thinking, confusion, brain fog, being forgetful. Those are things that are that suggest an imbalance for people who have had COVID. Also, people who are, have recovered from COVID are at a higher risk of developing mental health disorders such as anxiety and depression. So I want you to hold on to anxiety and depression because we're gonna talk about them a little bit more so we can kind of check up around that. However, in the general population, and these are just a few facts, so we can know that we've actually been through something and that there are mental health outcomes that have been related to that in January 2021, 41% of adults reported symptoms of this anxiety and depression that I just mentioned. There has been reported to be a 50% increase of suicide in teenage girls. And there's a 21% increase in divorce. So those are just broad stats that speak to the general population. The rates of anxiety and depression among US adults were about four times higher between April 2020 and August 2021 than they were in 2019. And some of the sharpest increases were among males, Asian Americans, young adults, and parents with children at home. And this information comes from the Center for for uh, disease control. So, you know, how do we then kind of check in on ourselves, make sure that we're doing okay in, in view of the fact that because of this pandemic, we are much more vulnerable. Um, we're spending, you know, our lives are generally changing before our eyes. So how do we deal with that? Um, so some of the things that we want to take a look at is to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves in terms of not facing a mental health crisis. Uh, again, a few more stats and then moving along, nearly two in five adults in general struggle with mental health issues. Uh, and that was in 2020 compared to about 1.5 before the pandemic that was back for in 2019, 46% receive treatment and that number is far lower among black americans hispanic or latinx americans and asian americans so that's something to be addressed when we talk about those disparities however the crisis is especially acute again we talk about across all age groups it goes across the lifespan uh, it's acute among youth and young adults. Um, and in 2027, 75% of people aged 18, 18 through 24 reported at least one mental health or substance abuse concern. 
And then just last year in 2021, emergency department visits for suspect suicide attempts were 51% higher among adolescent girls, um, as I mentioned earlier. So the breakdown, one in five adults experience mental illnesses, one in 20 um, adults experience ser serious mental health illness each year. And again, with the youth, and we're looking ages six to 17, maybe one in six of these individuals may have a mental health disorder. And 50% of all lifetime illnesses, mental health illnesses begin by age 14. And then 75% begin by age 27. So there's already a vulnerability to having these mental health disorders without factoring in uh, the effects of the pandemic. Because some other issues that may lead to mental health disorders include genetics, you know, it just runs in the family. That's why it's good to be aware of conditions that family members may have, because that means that you may be suspect for that as well. Uh, some other things are the environment. Like I said, the environment can lead to mental health conditions. Uh, a lot of times living in dangerous neighborhoods, uh, being exposed to violence early. Those are some conditions. Uh, the conditions, again, related to an unhealthy work environment. And then there are lifestyle issues that individuals may choose that may be a related to substance abuse, and that may trigger some mental health condition. Um, so I, I mentioned earlier to think about anxiety and depression. These are the two biggies uh, within uh, what's happening right now around COVID and this whole pandemic and after effects and all of that. And when we think about anxiety, anybody can have anxiety at any time. But here's the catch. Uh, when I talk about these anxiety symptoms, know that, hey, if you say, hey, I had that, but if it didn't stop you from carrying on your daily activities, then it's manageable. It's okay. It's part of human condition. We, our heart beats faster. Things happen. And it is anxiety. Everyone can experience anxiety. But when they become overwhelming and constant, then it may be an anxiety disorder. So here are some common anxiety signs and symptoms. And if you have any questions, just put them in the chat and I'll see what I can do with them. But again, recognize that these are feelings that we've all probably had at some point. But if these symptoms endure and you're not able to, let's say, clean the house or go visit or go shop or go to work, then that is impeding your daily function. So some of those characteristics to be on the lookout for include feeling nervous, feeling restless or tense with no apparent reason, reasoning, having a sense of impending danger, you know, something is about to happen, uh, looking for the worst in a situation uh, that can lead to a panic attack, which is actually a part of that anxiety disorder. Having an increased heart rate 
you're not exercising, you're not doing anything, you're not watching a scary movie. It's just that you have an increased heart rate and there's no explanation, no explanation for it. Some other things to look out for is hyperventilation, breathing rapidly, sweating or trembling with no apparent reason, feeling weak and tired or exhausted. Those can be, those feelings can be indicators of an anxiety disorder if they are keeping you from your daily functioning. And I think I mentioned earlier, having trouble concentrating, sleeping. And here's another one, experiencing gastrointestinal problems. You know, you feel it in your gut, you, you get upset, your stomach is upset all the time, and there's no reason for that. That could be a part of an indicator that, you know, maybe there's something going on with anxiety for you. And uh, here's a biggie too, having an urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. So what that means, again, probably say it again in here somewhere, but just isolating and staying away from people. If you find yourself doing more of that, then that might be something that you might want to take a look at. So that's anxiety. Let's look at depression. Again, just like with anxiety, we all have ups and downs. You know, they're good days, they're bad days. The goal is to have more good days than bad days. We know we're on the path at that point. So anybody can experience depression, but when, again, they impact everyday living, then that might be a depressive mood disorder. Depre depression uh, involves recurrent severe periods of clear-cut changes in your mood and thought uh, thought processes. And uh, it can uh, impact your motivation, uh, particularly if these things last for longer than two weeks. So if you're having a change in your thought processes, uh, you wanna check out if you're thinking more negatively. That's the home of depression, negative thoughts. Uh, Depression can also impact your sleep, your energy, appetite, and your weight. And so specifically some symptoms to be on the lookout for are feelings of sadness, tearfulness, emptiness, or hopelessness. These are feelings that are associated with depression for no particular reason. You know, I just feel sad today. I can't shake this thing. It's been going on three or four weeks. That might be depression. Uh, angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, even over small matters. You know, when you have those instances where someone, well, well you're certainly overreacting, or you feel that you overreacted, maybe that's an indicator of some form of depression loss of interest or pleasure in most or all normal activities uh, such as sex, hobbies, or sports. These are things, you know, losing interest in, in connecting. That might be a sign that there's some depression going on. Um, so I have a few more. Um, let's see, I'll take a look at them. I think we've uh, mentioned that a reduction in appetite and weight loss is something that you want to take uh, take, be aware of. And if your thinking feels slower or if you're moving slower, 
uh, those are some things that you might want to be aware of as well. So these things, so we, we've had two sets of signs and symptoms. The first set were related to anxiety and the second set are related to depression. But there are other symptoms that may not be anxiety or, or depression, but may give you pause for concern and may indicate that you know somehow your daily functioning is being impacted. Uh, for example, severe out of control risk-taking behavior that causes harm to self and others. And sometimes, you know, it can be very subtle, just going on a shopping spree and, and spending more money than you have. Uh, it can be a very risky thing to do. Uh, and that is a risk-taking behavior in some instances. Uh, seeing or hearing, believing things that are not real. And this is a cultural thing uh, because, and uh, again, I talked real briefly about cultural competence because among individuals, among people of color and uh, among other ethnic groups, sometimes as a part of that religious experience, visions might be a part of that. And so you want to make sure that when you're talking about visions or hallucinations or something, that the context is correct because, um, you know, sometimes there may be diagnosis of uh, schizophrenia because of these hallucinations when in fact it's just a part of a spiritual experience and which requires a culturally competent provider. Uh, some of the other things that may not be necessarily related to anxiety and depression are extreme mood changes, uh, including uncontrollable highs or feelings of euphoria and low is of the lows. So having those low and high balances may be an indicator that there may be a form of uh, mental disorder that might be going on. Not being able to understand others, having difficulty relating to uh, others, and having an inability to perceive any changes within yourself. Maybe someone says, well, you're not acting right. Something's wrong. Something, something is off here and you just don't see it. And this may be a person whose input that you really trust. So again, that might be an indicator. Another thing, so what I just talked about, the primarily signs and symptoms that we want to be aware of with adults. Children may have different things for us to look out for. Uh, with children, we want to pay attention to uh, the fact, are there any decreases in activities? Uh, are, is there less playing going on? Um, actually, developmentally, kids should be growing. Uh, you know, they should be reading. They should be uh, becoming more involved in playing and making friends with others. If some of these things are not happening, they may indicate uh, that some of the aspects of growing up are decreasing, and that may indicate a form of some type of mental health awareness. Having particular fights with loved ones, for children with mental illnesses, picking fights can be common. They don't have the words to express what's going on. Uh, they don't have a place to send their anger. So what they know to do is to maybe fuss or fight. Uh, and that might be a, a, a way 
that they can express what's going on. And you know, as the saying goes, and you always hurt the one you love. So that means mo a lot of that fighting may be with parents or with siblings. Uh, so because of these things, you know, be mindful of kids. You know, why is this kid such a troublemaker? Why is this kid so de defensive? That might be an indicator that something is going on with that kid that may require help. Uh, from a mental health perspective. Kids also can have mood swings. Uh, they may be indicative of some type of internal conflict that they can't get a hold on to. Um, and so understanding that kids can have mood swings would explain, you know, sometimes kid being hot and cold. I don't know. I don't understand what's going on with this kid. Uh, that may be a, a form of a mental health concern. One other thing related to kids is lack of communications. Again, as I said earlier, sometimes kids just don't have the words to express what's going on. And, and, and many kids, particularly younger kids, are still learning what communication actually is. It's how you say something and then somebody says something back. And in, as a part of that exchange, you're understood. So kids are learning that and they may not be able to express that, particularly if they are having some kind of mental health things um, going on. And this may be hard to pick up, but if you see kids who are kind of withdrawing from communications, then that's a sign that, well, maybe this is frustrating to them. They're not, again, picking up developmentally what's supposed to be happening here. Uh, there may be some type of mental health thing going on related to what's happening with the kid, particularly if a kid has been uh, communicating and then suddenly stops, you know, uh, begins to share less. Uh, talks less about school and about friends and their feelings, that might be something uh, that you want to check in on. And uh, one, a couple of other things. Um, we talked about isolation. Uh, kids can isolate too. If they're isolating more than usual, if they're not playing with their usual friends, if they're in their room or in their assigned space or away somewhere from everyone, uh, that may be an indicator of something going on. And also just having fear, just a new fear, just popping up out of nowhere. Well, why are you so afraid? I don't know. You know, that might be an indicator that there is a mental health concern. Okay. So those are the things that, you know, when we're doing our checkup and we're making our pie, keeping it in check, making sure that there is balance in the, our lives. And if there isn't balance, then we know some signs and symptoms to look at. But the other part of what's going on here that we take a look at as a part of mental health awareness is to just take a look at stigma and Black mental health. And stigma in general involves negative attitudes or discrimination against someone or something, and particularly uh, as it relates to mental health. And stigma is one of those things that has poor outcomes for mental health treatment because with stigma, individuals are not gonna go to get the support that they need or the treatment that they need. 
uh, you know, again, the example is used often. If you had high blood pressure, you would go to the doctor, you'd take your pills, you'd exercise, and you feel better. But if you're depressed, you can't go, you can't talk about it when it's typically the same progression of, okay, I'm down and out, you take your pills, you talk to a counselor, you do something, it's treatable. So again, that's the role of stigma. It reduces a chance that a person will receive adequate care. So we don't have a PowerPoint, but I'm going to give you a quick little stigma quiz. And how this is going to work, I'm going to ask you three questions. And I want you to listen to the answers that I provide, and then you write down the answer that you think is correct. So again, I'm going to read these questions. You're going to listen to the stem of the question, and then A, B, C, or D indicate which one is your answer. Okay, so here's the stigma quiz so we can see where we stand in relation to stigma. Um, question number one. I think people with mental illness, A, need to snap out of it, B, did something wrong to cause it, C, need our love and support, and D, are sometimes faking it. So again, thinking about people with mental illness, A, they need to snap out of it, B, they did something wrong to cause it. C, they need our love and support. And D, they are faking it. So when you think of that, what was your answer? Well, I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is, I think people with, does anybody, is there someone getting ready to chime in? I don't wanna steal your thunder. Did you okay. ask answer? Yes. Do you have the answer? What was your answer? Let's just take one answer because we want to keep this road. Need our love and support. Absolutely correct. They need our love and support. That's one of the things that removes some of that stigma that your loved one is dealing with. They need our love and support because there's so many misconceptions about mental illness and what it means. Uh, and it's not the result of personal weakness. Sometimes that is a general feeling in the population that, you know, people are faking it. They just don't have the strength of character to get over those things. But no, as we've learned or as we are learning, there are reasons why some of these instances occurs. Um, so it's important if there is someone who has a mental health illness that you use respectful language to talk about that uh, and challenge in, any misconceptions that you see or hear and recognize that you see the person and not, and not the condition. So if you have a family member, a friend or someone who is depressed or has a depressive disorder. They are not that disorder. Those are just the characteristics that they are displaying at that time. Okay, we're gonna take an answer on number two. The second question is, which one of the following is not true? Which one is not true about stigma? A, it makes people feel alienated or feel less than. B, 
it's not really a big problem for people with mental health conditions. C, it prevents people from seeking help for symptoms. And D, it makes people fear judgment if they share their story, which is not true. Making people feel alienated, preventing people from seeking help um, when it comes to stigma, and we're talking about stigma, it not, it's really not a big deal and it makes people fear judgment. So which is the right answer? One person. Okay, no, no eager beavers here. Okay. All right then. So let's say the correct answer, which one of the following is not true about stigma? This is what's not true, B. It is not really a big problem for people with mental illnesses. It is a big problem. It is something that's important. So the fact that someone has a mental condition, uh, it, we need to provide as a part of that support an understanding that it is a big deal and it does affect the person's well-being. And the stigma, again, because of what's going on with stigma, may cause the individuals to not seek help. And even worse, individuals with mental illness often internalize that stigma. And uh, they feel bad about themselves because of something that's totally out of their control. Okay, this is the last question in our little stigma quiz. Uh, if anyone in your family, excuse me, if anyone in your family is diagnosed with mental illness, you should A, treat them differently than you used to, B, distance yourself from them, C, feel sorry for them, and D, listen to them and show support. Listen to them. D, D, that's right. Listen to them and show support. You should do that because that's what needs to happen. If someone in your family is diagnosed with a mental illness, um, you remind your loved one that you are there for them, that you're there to listen for with them, that you are not giving up on them. You can support them in a number of ways. And one of the most important ways that you can support a family member who may have a mental illness is by educating yourself, by psychoeducation. Find out as much as you can about that person's diagnosis or that person's can a condition. If that person is in therapy, find out about their treatment plan. What are they trying to do to reach some goals that would provide them with a better uh, way of living and strive for an atmosphere of cooperation. But the big thing in all of these is to listen carefully and be able to say that I'm sorry you feel this way, but I do offer you my support. And so the bottom line from this um, quiz is to open up to the fact that uh, we can make a pledge to be stigma-free ourselves in dealing with others. And that stigma-free behavior is behavior to support anyone 
who is affected by mental health conditions. As a matter of fact, there's a pledge uh, that you can make that essentially says that I'll judge less and support more. Um, one last thing to talk about, uh, kinda, uh, is black mental health and the, and the stigma uh, kind of come together to form a perfect storm. What happens at the intersection of mental health and one's experiences as a member of the black community? And uh, there are a couple of things that are going on in the experience of being black in America. It varies greatly. I mean, we all don't have the same experience, but then there are also some commonalities and part of the shared cultural experiences, um, family connections, uh, values, expressions through spirituality and music. These are things that are enriching and can be a source of strength and support. Um, However, that's on the positive side of things, but on the negative side of things that we share, and that is facing racism, discrimination, and inequity that can significantly uh, impact a person's mental health, uh, being treated less than uh, because of the color of your skin. Uh, there's a phenomenon that's related to, that's called race-related stress. It's just something that's unique to people of color in uh, actually any area of difference because in addition to having daily stressors and having uh, stressful situations occur, it, it has to go through this other uh, evaluation of, well, is this related to stress? Is this related to race? Am I having this experience because of my color? You know, so race-related stress, those are some of the things that can affect an individual's mental health. And the other part of that is that additionally, in the Black community, sometimes face there are some structural challenges in terms of how to even access care and to get treatment. So those are things uh, that are important as well. Uh, according to the Health and Human Services Office, on minority health, Black adults in the U.S. are more likely than white adults to report persistent symptoms of emotional distress, such as sadness, hopelessness, and feeling like everything is an effort. That's depression right there. Black adults living below the poverty line are more likely than twice as likely to report serious psychological distress. Uh, so, you know, those are some things that are going on. Uh, so despite the need, despite Black folks not going for therapy, only one in three Black adults who need mental health care receive it. And that's according to the American Psychiatric Association. Um, there's a, a, an excellent guide, and I do have some resources, and it's Mental Health Facts for African Americans uh, that has a lot of this information. I do have some additional resources. But uh, when we look at uh, mental health, receiving mental health as Black American, uh, Black Americans are less likely to receive guideline consistent care. So that's about quality of care. Sometimes that quality of care is not the best. It may not be evidence-based. There may be reasons uh, why they are not getting that care. Also something to keep in mind is that African-Americans are less likely to be included in research. From two perspectives, doing the research 
you know, validating African-American experiences, and then also in becoming involved in research uh, for sample populations to be researched. So a lot of times the information that comes out is just not as useful because it is not as applicable. So a um, couple other things, I see the time creeping up over here. So let's look at some barriers to mental health care. These are the real barriers. First one is socioeconomic uh, disparities. In 2018, 11.5% of Black Americans in the USA had no form of health insurance. And so without health insurance, treatment does, is not an option. It's not available in the Black community like other communities of colors. Uh, these disparities include such things as exclusion from health, educational, social, and economic resources. That's just what it is. These disparities may contribute to worse mental health outcomes. So again, let's go back and look at stigma and how this impacts what go, what's going on. Stigma is the negative attitudes and beliefs, again, towards people who live with a mental health condition. Stigma is pervasive in this country, and it can be particularly strong in the Black communities. Uh, one study showed that 63% of Black people believe as one of our questions said, that mental health condition is a sign of personal weakness, that this is something that you can take care of by just kind of taking care of yourself, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, as it were. So as a result of that, individuals feel shame uh, about their mental health, mental health status, and that can keep them uh, from receiving the help they need. For many in the Black community, it can be incredibly challenging to discuss the topic of mental health. I mean, you know, we are socialized to keep our business to ourselves. What goes on in this house stays in this house. And that's just kind of the way it is. Now, I do see some people opening up more, and there are more people who are beginning to reach out, but nowhere near the number that I need to be. I caught the glimpse of a question in the um, chat. I don't know how I did that, but it goes uh, right here with what I'm about to mention now. And additionally, many people choose to seek support from their faith communities. So that means among African-Americans, we're willing to reach out to our faith community to ask questions about what's going on. So that's a, that's a place where support can be put in place. Uh, they can play a central role as a meeting place, a source of strength, a source of referral uh, for individuals who are struggling with getting some type of mental health um, help, but recognize, again, there's that stigma associated. And then looking at faith and spirituality, uh, they can help in the recovery process for individuals. Uh, and it, for some people, faith and spirituality can be a part of a treatment plan that will help them uh, to get the support that they need and reduce isolation. So, uh, <clears throat> 
Dr. Newsom, I'm going to um, just jump in for just just a moment. So I want to read that question that you were you were um, answering, just in case people didn't see it in the chat. Uh, one of the questions was, how might the church help with providing support to mental health issues uh, with without having the person or family feeling that they might be negatively judged? So that was one of the questions that was asked, and you were and you had it. Uh, addressed it um, at least partly. So I just wanted people to be aware of what the question, what the was. question was. Yeah, uh, again, you know, providing resources, providing support, um, pamphlets, having information available in a sanctuary. Uh, that can be a way of providing information and providing the support that says to that individual that we hear you and we're listening to you. Um, so um, I'm just looking here. Uh, let, let, let me go ahead and ask the next question. Okay. We, we don't have that much time left, um, but one question I would like for you to address is how do you prevent becoming an enabler with someone with mental health, and they just said mental health, but mental health issues? I think the most important way would be, and that's a very good question because enabling can be confused with caring. And that's not what you wanna do. Getting information regarding uh, the person's mental illness condition, what it is, uh, and being real clear with the borders in terms of what you do and what you help. If you know that a specific activity is going to cause an individual to continue with behaviors, then just saying that's off limits. That's not what we do. And have that agreement with the person. It's, it's, it's like boundaries, uh, setting up boundaries of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable because certain behaviors will um, increase those undesirable behaviors. I don't know if that answers the question. If it didn't, write it again. I'll try it again. <laughs> okay. Well, so maybe there are two more things in well, this. Can I, can I just, because there was one more question I want to make sure that we, because sure. this really had to do with uh, addressing when you talked about children and it has to do with bullying. Um, uh, let me see. Basically, the question was for the kids that bully, bully others, you know, why do they do that? Is that you know, part of a, a mental health issue? It is a, a mental health issue. It's not necessarily my area of expertise, but what I will say is that bullying makes up for a deficit that the other kids may have in terms of their self-esteem. It could be a part of um, behaviors that they have experienced. They've been, they've been bullied at home, so they bring it a lot of times to school and where they are with other kids. So I would say, you know, there are two places to look if you're trying to understand bullying behavior. The first would be how that bullying child feels about themselves. And then the second would be what kind of bullying, being bullied experiences has that kid had? So if you could, um, I know we're right at 7.50 and this has been an important topic. So if in the next three to four minutes, if you could wrap up and then um, we'll, we'll get ready to close. I, I'll, before you do that, I 
and I think I'm speaking for everyone, appreciate your taking the time uh, to address this important topic. I know that we could probably spend a whole lot more time, but uh, we are we are at least beginning the process of of you know being aware as well as especially take it to heart of the information that we can do. So you're you're part of that information source. So we thank you so much. So I'll turn it back over to you. And after you finish your your summary, uh, then we're going to close in prayer as we usually do. Dr. Newsom. Okay. So in closing. We know all of these things are going on. If there is a need for mental health care, get mental health care. But as a person of an African-American community, you want to look at a culturally competent person who recognizes the role of that the differences in ethnicities can make. And it's okay to ask questions about that. And then the last part of this thing uh, in, in wrapping up. So knowing that we have this job to keep this balance in our pieces of pie. The most important part of that to a very important part of that, I won't say it's the most important, but a very important part of that is just your personal self-care. Self-care is not selfish. This is the best thing to wrap up on. Take care of yourself. Um, be good to yourself mentally. Look at your mental health. Uh, look at your physical health. Look at how you're eating. It's not just going to get a mani-pedi, although that's a good thing. But to take care of your body. Get enough sleep. You know, these are all things that can help you. Uh, as you are looking to kind of live your best life and maintain a, a, a good level of wellness. And so again, the key is balance. Balance yourself in those domains and take care of yourself. And you got a pretty good shot at it. Amen. Well, again, we give you uh, just thanks for your, your time. I know this was a uh, um, a lot of energy and effort that's put in. And as you can see from the, the hand claps that are, are starting to show up, uh, we uh, appreciate uh, so much your time. And I just want to warn you, give you advance, this will not be the last time. So uh, I know it was a, almost a year since we did it before, but this is such a pervasive issue. Uh, we may, we will, we will try to fit this in uh, at another uh, it time to just uh, you know keep keep it in the forefront. Um, okay. Go if ahead. I, if I could just mention this, and I can get this to the church office, or you can get it from me. But I do have some resources uh, that are available: the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, the National Sexual Sexual Assault Hotline, uh, SAMHSA, which is an organization that looks at substance abuse and mental health issues. <laughs> and uh, NAMBI, which is a grassroots mental health organization that provides services. And then again, the Black Mental Health Alliance that provides information about where to find Black therapists, uh, just what's going on, and also psychology today. So those are resources that are available. If anybody wants more, you could just, actually, you could just email me and I would be more than happy to send them to you at GK news n-e-w-s at gmail.com so gk news at gmail.com that's correct okay well again thank you so much we are going to get ready to close our thank you <laughs> get ready to close our time um, and we're going to pray um, 
for some of the needs. And we know, again, especially during as we approach Mental Health Awareness Month, um, and that it will be uh, just to be aware of all the, the concerns that are going on. We often pray for the physical concerns, but thank you for reminding us of the, the, well, the, the broader aspect of wellness. So are there any prayer concerns uh, that we wanna share as we uh, close our time together? Pastor, just continue to pray for me. Okay. And I'm asking for prayer uh, for severe back pain. This is Charlene Evans. Mm. And I'm also asking prayer for my younger sister. She suffers with uh, severe back pain. Mm. So I'm asking prayer for her. Pastor, pray for Dr. Clark. She was in a serious accident on Friday. Praise God for a successful uh, procedure for JB, uh, but also keep him in prayer as he was not feeling well on last night and yesterday. I have two prayer requests. One is for myself as I go through these um, um, guardianship issues with my nephew and just make sure I make the right decisions when it comes to the courts and all that good stuff. And also for my sister who's in Nigeria because they had family that passed or her husband had family that passed. 